mentioned a young Ukrainian bandura virtuoso by the name of Yaroslav Juice and his friend Valentin Bogdanov, and they were performing a cover, an instrumental cover of the Eurovision 2016 winning entry by Ukraine, performed by Jamala, and that was 1944, a song about Stalin's deportation of the Crimean Tatars during World War II. Yaroslav Juice and Valentin Bogdanov. Dobry večer, šanovni radio suhači. Ta vitaju vas vsih na radio peredaču naš holos radio Krinskoho Kurinja, kotra podjeti vam jak svečajno šo subote o šosti hodeni na bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320CHMB in beautiful Vancouver. I'm your host, Paulette Demchik-McQuarrie, Pokorinska Pavlina, and I'm delighted to have you with me. In this hour, we'll have Ukrainian Jewish Heritage featuring an interview with Julia Krasunsky of RememberUs.org, which works to commemorate Holocaust victims who perished in Ukraine. As well, an interview with Anna Dombrovska of Ottawa, who will be telling us about Ukrainian war veterans who are cycling across North America and will be stopping in Vancouver next week. And, of course, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next, Alexei Kirikesha with Fata Morgana and Oyupolinevka in the cornfield. Ти 
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Темная ніч, тільки гради свистять вдалині, без зупинок і без вихідних, лупить арта скажена. В цей пізній час ти кохана в Фейсбуці сидиш, видивляєшся. Вістки за то, молиш Бога за мене. Курва війна розлучила з тобою мене, але вона неодмінно колись скінчиться. Знаю тоді, знову ми, як колись, заживемо. Віра в це надихає мене, і загарбником биться. Нечість повзе, вже осілася міцно в Криму. Пошматовано рідний донець Білю душах стражденних Так як колись Мій дідуньо фашистів смалив Так і я за поребрик зжену Окупантів мерзенних Голоди сніг, бруд окопів у нігті проріз. І лиш у сні все ошатно і променисто. Хоч би на мить доторкнутись до тебе з дітьми, обійняти старе. Батьків, прогуляти з помісту Вже багатьох не побачиш у нашім строю Тіло в землі, але пам'ять про них не тлі Низько вклонись Всім загиблим В нерівнім бою Всім, хто душу І тіло поклав За твою Україну And that was Marko Sablich with a song called Temnayanich, Dark Night. And it is a song about a life in the war zone in eastern Ukraine today. Coming up next, Korinya, a folk group from the eastern United States and a folk dance, Tarantali Tansok.
And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Today we'll be speaking with Julia Korsunsky, whose story we first heard on Nasholos last year. Julia is the executive director of RememberUs.org, a nonprofit organization based in Massachusetts. Her organization is involved in commemorating mass grave sites of Holocaust victims, which include her great-grandparents and many of her other relatives. Last year, we learned about a project her organization is involved in, which is planting trees at killing sites in order to commemorate victims of genocide. These trees, by their very nature, are appropriately symbolic for this purpose. The trees have been planted at several sites now, and the project continues. However, it is just part of a larger endeavor, and Julia Krasunski, Executive Director of RememberUs.org, has kindly agreed to tell us more about it. So welcome, Julia, to Nosholis. Hello. Wanted to be here. So it's uh, great to connect. It was wonderful to hear your story, and it's nice. It was, we heard your voice a little bit. Um, Peter shared some of his recordings of your conversation, but it's nice to see your face. Well, I can see your face. Our listeners can't. <laughs> but it's it's wonderful to connect with you on Skype, and thank you again for, for joining us. Now, um, we talked about the Metasequoia Project. So uh, just give us a little bit of a recap of how it all started well, it's a very long story how it all started. We can go as deep as to my childhood, but basically it all started with a memorial that is built on a place of atrocity in Kharkiv, which is a place called Drabitsky Yar. And it all started as a family project. We just wanted to commemorate my family mm-hmm. and plant some trees there. And then we were picking up trees and we decided that Metasequoia, as you just mentioned, is the most appropriate kind of tree because of its history and that it lives for a very long time. So we can create an uh, ever-living memorial at that place. And when we started doing it, we realized that would be a very good, nice gesture, but no more than that. And that this memorial particular needed much more help than we as a family could provide. And that's understanding uh, was the beginning of our organization. So as soon as we planted trees there, we were asked to plant trees and other places, and that started the whole program and framework. Now, Yar is a Ukrainian word for ravine. Right. And yeah. uh, Babinyar is quite familiar, I think, to anybody who has studied the Holocaust or is aware of the Holocaust uh, in Ukraine, because that's located in Kiev, and they recently commemorated their 75th anniversary of that atrocity. But this happened uh, many other places in what is now Ukraine and Poland and other parts of Eastern Europe, where a lot of the Holocaust was by bullets, essentially. And you found your family in Drohobitsky. Drobitsky Yar, yes. Drobitsky Yar, and that is near Kharkiv in eastern Ukraine. And how did your family discover your roots going back there? You said it was your great-grandparents, the parish there. Right, and as I said, the story started basically in my childhood when once I've learned, when I was a child, I've learned in school about uh, Babi Yar, and I came came home, and I was amazed that something like that could happen in my country because I've heard about Holocaust, but I thought Holocaust was somewhere in some far away land. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was in Ukraine too, or rather in the Soviet Union. So I came home, and I started talking to my grandmother about it, and she got very emotional, and she just said, stop talking about it. I don't need to hear about Bobby Yar." Drabitsky Yar is right here, and your family is there. And that was probably 30-second conversation that I remembered as a child. But only as an adult, uh, I came back to that memory. And for the first time, I went to Drabitsky Yar already as a visitor to Ukraine from the United States, which was very recently. And only standing there on that soil, that when the understanding of what happened really was a big... Uh, revelation to me. It's a it's a very strange and very scary to tell you an experience. Yeah, I would think it it would be. Now you grew up in Ukraine. How long were you, have you been in the states? 
almost 30 years, 29 years. Okay, but you were um, a child. Now you have a, a daughter. I wasn't a child. I was a young adult. Yes, I have a daughter. I have a son as well, but our son is not part of the organization, but our daughter is. We so, started the organization, three of us, my, my husband, myself, and our daughter. Okay, so so let's talk about the uh, the organization and rememberus.org. So when we uh, saw that we can really help only by creating a formal structure, for, by formalizing it, my husband and I started doing it, and uh, our daughter was very supportive, and she became also part of this process. And it took a few months for us to do all the paperwork, and within a few months, we went from three-people organization, volunteer organization, mm-hmm. you know, family kind of organization, to four people, six people, seven people, and now we are over 30 volunteers. Wow. Four and a half years later, wow. uh, we are all volunteer organization. There is no paid stuff. Of course, we do pay yeah. money for work mm-hmm. as expected, but ongoing projects are led by volunteers. The volunteers come up with ideas and that's what we do. Wow. So the trees, you said that was your family, an idea to commemorate your own family site. So who is it that asked you next to um, to plant it elsewhere? Uh, I think the next one was Kriminchuk. Uh, we now have a long list of uh, communities that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And Yar, yes, that's a Ukrainian name for a ravine. And Wadi Yar is the only one that is known. Right. But there are over a thousand uh, Yars and places like that. And yeah. in some of them are thousands of people were murdered. Yeah. And in some of them, hundreds or even a few people. So um, we work with Lubny and the Suya community, which is one place, kind of uh, Lubny town and the Suya village. We work with Kiminchuk, we work with Bila Tserkva, Mirgorod. We also work with Babi Yar as well. We planted Metasipoya trees there, which was very symbolic for us as well. Mm-hmm. So this project has grown and it's continuing to grow. Yes, this particular project is part of a bigger framework that we call Last Mile. So Last Mile framework has multiple uh, milestones. One of them is planting trees and just raising awareness, local awareness, Mm -hmm. that things happen right here, right in your backyard. As a next milestone to this last mile framework, we uh, create a Holocaust memorial, a Holocaust museum or exhibition Mm -hmm. in a local school. And examples of such exhibitions are in Lubny or the Sulya and Kreminchuk. We also, as a next step, we uh, not only create those artifacts, but we also create a means to learn from those places. So we organize and sponsor ongoing school and college tours to places atrocities and to the museum so kids can be educated at the place because it's completely different from when your teacher is standing in front of you and trying to tell you stories and numbers versus when you're standing there on the toilet. It's, It's a completely, completely different experience. So that's complete framework. And then we come to U.S., and we tell those stories here, and that completes our full circle, and that's why it's called Lost Mile. We go Lost Mile, we go to the place, collect the information, do our projects there. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, and the last mile is the, the final. Yes, right? that, that's yeah. exactly why. We, lots of us is in IT industry, and last mile is a very common term in IT industry and communications. Oh, I didn't realize. So you're in the IT business then? Yes, yeah. yeah. I am an IT. My husband is an IT. And many, uh, as I said, we're all volunteers. So we have people from many different industries. We have lots of students. That's our biggest group of volunteers, ah. high school and college students. And so these volunteers, you've said you've got over 30 now. And where are they located? All over U.S. and all over Ukraine. Uh-huh. Uh, we have people uh, in Boston, Washington, D.C., in New York. And we have people in, in Kharkov, Mirgorod, uh, Lubny, Zasulia, 
Kremenchuk, Kiev, um, Bila Tsertva, and I am probably missing some communities. <laughs> so what are some of the, the, the tasks that these volunteers are involved in? Oh, a lot, actually. They do a lot, and they do absolutely wonderful job. What's important to me that those volunteers have completely diverse background, and some of them Jews, and many of them are not. Oh. Uh, and that is very, very important to me because I think only when we have this, when we work together, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really matter what your background is, as long as you understand that it was tragedy that needs to be remembered, that needs to be remembered not only for the past, but also for the future, mm-hmm. that next generation needs to learn about it, only then we can achieve some results. So going back to your question, they help us to organize different commemoration and education events. For example, if you go to our Facebook page, you will see pictures of that. We have in the Sulia School Museum, we have a museum there, and there are kids, high school kids, who are tour guides in that museum, Mm. which is fantastic because they speak the language of their peers. They Mm -hmm. can connect to their friends much better than if that was done by adults only. Of course... um, they work with the director, school director there, he guides them, but mm-hmm. they are the ones who are actually doing the work. Similar things is done in Kharkiv, where we didn't build a, any museum, but we do have ongoing tours, volunteer tour guides there. Um, what about it, people listening here in North America? What um, would a volunteer be doing here? Here, what we do... Also, lots of different things. Another example, we have uh, face-to-face presentations. And someone called me last year, uh, two years ago, and uh, the lady said, um, well, you usually do face-to-face presentation in front of the kids or grown-ups, but younger generation. Have you thought of doing it in front of the older people? And I was at first taken aback because I didn't realize what was the goal and she said, well, if we talk to seniors, if you talk to veterans, they need to see that there is someone who is picking up the button of that knowledge, mm-hmm. that there is a continuity of uh, that knowledge. And I thought, wow, that sounds like a good idea. So this lady worked with someone mm-hmm. in our team and organized the first presentation. And the presentation is done by our local high school students. And it was one of the most emotional presentations because they were talking to seniors, to people who actually lived through those events. And that became our ongoing program. Mm -hmm. And that program is very beneficial for both sides. And in fact, in that program, we uncovered that one of the righteous among the nations lives right here in our area. So our students were able to connect to him, to get his story, to record that story, which was also very uh, valuable. Wow, wonderful work you're doing. And uh, the Last Mile Project is only one of many. So you've got shtetl tours. Just give us a little bit of an idea of what that's about and uh, some of the other projects you're involved in. So Forgotten Shtetl Trips is also a very interesting and very popular project. What we do, we take our volunteers from Ukraine and from U.S., and we take them into those places where atrocities were and where Jewish community used to live, and we show them how Jewish community lived together with Ukrainian community, how it used to look. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, there are lots of historical artifacts there, and there are enough older people who know and can tell different stories, stories of Holocaust and stories that they've heard even prior to Holocaust, stories of family stories. So it's a very interesting, very popular program as well. Is this just for volunteers or is it open to the public? For now, it's just for volunteers and teachers. Okay. I think in expanding it next year, probably to open it to public. But for now, it's a very small scale. We're about to go on our third trip this summer. This summer will be your third. I see. So if somebody wanted to get involved with your organization, support your organization, what are your needs? Um, immediate need, I'm going to be frank about it, uh, are funds. That's the hardest. Yeah. It just 
happened that none of us is a professional fundraiser. So <laughs> that's yeah. our biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. So if people want to get involved, have idea of the projects of, to implement on site, I'm happy to talk about it. They can get in touch with me via either email or Facebook. Or if someone wants to maybe donate, we would be glad. So donations or volunteer help for fundraising. Yes. Yeah, and you were saying everybody is a volunteer, so this is all done from the heart, and there's a you know, personal reason to be involved and I guess personal satisfaction as well through the work. Exactly. We are volunteers. We're doing it not for financial gain or a project that we do for living. So motivation should be your personal, what you want to do. Your passion. Your personal passion. Yeah, I guess that's the word. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us again, Julia, how to reach you. I have a Facebook page. It's rememberus.org and we have a web page rememberus.org very easy to remember the same as the name of our organization and my email is julia at rememberus.org okay well that's easy to remember (laughs) great name and um, also a fantastic project thank you so much for sharing your story and for the work that you do for your passion to to let people know that yes you there was tragedy in the past but we can learn from it I think it's a special person that can share their personal tragedy and try to help others learn from it as well. So thank you so much for for doing that, Julia. Thank you. Thank you. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. This is CHMB AM 1320, Vancouver. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 1320 CHMB, Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Oh, 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 oh,
and Oris Lute with a song called Oi Uluzi Pi Donbassum, A Meadow in the Donbass. Up next, Teen Sonsia with Yihale Kozake, Riding Cossacks. June 13th, a team of 10 Ukrainian cyclists on a transcontinental tour will be stopping in Vancouver. The tour is called Chumak Way, and the cyclists are Ukrainian cycling enthusiasts and veterans of the war in eastern Ukraine. The goal of the tour is to raise awareness of the need for peace in eastern Ukraine and other war-torn areas of the world. Anna Dombrovska is in charge of public relations for the U.S. and Canada for the Chumak Cycling Tour. She joins us now by Skype to tell us all about it. So welcome, Anna. Vitayu. Uh, it's great uh, to be on your program and uh, thank you for, for the invitation. So as you mentioned, Chumak Way Cycling Tour is um, a tour across U.S. and Canada and it's a tour for peace. And uh, 10 uh, Ukrainian volunteers and uh, war veterans will be cycling 10,000 kilometers in 100 days from Pacific to Atlantic. Wow. And it's going to be a team of 10 people. Uh, some of them are veterans, as I mentioned, uh, including the head, uh, the person who inspired this tour, Konstantin Samchuk. Uh, he's a veteran of uh, ATO. So everyone is welcome to meet with the team and join the tour. And the, the cyclists actually would like to invite as many people as they can. So to join them on part of the journey. Right, yeah, uh, because uh, the idea of this tour is to raise awareness about what's happening in Ukraine and to bike for peace in Ukraine. And this is something we have to remind people over and over again, that uh, mm -hmm. the war hasn't ended and uh, there is a big need for peace and to join efforts to to actually end the war in Ukraine. 
Yeah. And so this tour would be a good way of raising awareness for it and letting people know about it and uh, somehow put pressure on uh, Mr. Putin. <laughs> uh, well, in the end, it's also important to establish connections. So Ukrainians in Ukraine don't know much about Ukrainians in US and, and Canada. Uh, and it's a good opportunity to connect and also to thank Canadian and um, US citizens for the help they provided while Ukraine is in such a difficult situation. So it's a, it's a tour of, uh, of thankfulness. It's a tour of uh, building bridges between Ukrainians all over the world and being grateful to Canadian and U.S. Uh, citizens for the help they provided. Mm. Participants of the tour also believe in a better future for Ukraine uh, without war uh, because Many of them have participated in Euromaidan since uh, its first days. Sarihi mm -hmm. Konoval, uh, who is um, a tactical uh, medicine uh, specialist, he spent a year in Euromaidan and then he uh, had to go and serve in eastern Ukraine. Uh, so these people have seen the war and they know there is much more uh, that Ukraine can do without the war. So they believe in in better future for Ukraine. Uh, and that's why they want to show with their tour what Ukraine can do. That's why they're bringing innovations. Uh, they're bringing something that uh, people, despite the war, are able to create in Ukraine. Like. And they're bringing, uh, yeah, that's why they're cycling. So, and the uh, cycling culture is a very positive thing for your health, uh, for connecting with people, for sustainability. So, that, that's kind of a, of a symbol uh, that they want to show that Ukraine can do more uh, if it's not stopped by, by all these nasty things that are happening in the mm -hmm. East. Mm -hmm. The innovations that I mentioned. Um, are produced in Ukraine. So one of them is a Delfast bike. It's an electric bike that is recorded in the Guinness World Book of Records Ooh. for the longest single uh, ride for a single charge that is over 300 miles. Wow. Yeah, we didn't know about it until we found out about the Chamakwe tour. Wow. And another innovation, I would say it's an older innovation, but at that time that was a breakthrough. So this is a Ukrainian bike that was produced in uh, Soviet times in Ukraine in the 80s. It's a super light track bike called NA. Just to give you an idea what it is, it, uh, it was created by Antonov Airplane Plant. Oh. Uh, in the 80s, uh, that was the lightest bicycle, I would say, in the whole world. The, f the weight of the frame of this bicycle was 2.8 kilograms. <laughs> really? And many Ukrainian cyclists won first places and gold medals in world championships on this bike. Wow, you could sounds like you can fold it up and put it in your suitcase. <laughs> so, uh, at these stops that they're making on the on their tour, then are they inviting people to come and see what they are and uh, are they going to be demonstrating or displaying these these cycling innovations? Uh, yeah, that's the idea, just uh, to, to showcase what good things can be produced in Ukraine and to draw interest of Canadians to these innovations. The team stops in different places. If we're talking about the route, they started in Los Angeles. It's a big city. They have mm -hmm. a lot of time there. And mm -hmm. uh, there is a big uh, amount of people who can come over and, and actually participate in a meeting. So in major towns, in major cities, there will be a meeting, of course, uh, and there will be a possibility for the cyclists to test drive and to see those innovations. Great. So um, I'll find out the uh, details for Vancouver in a minute, but you said this started in LA on what May 23rd, and it's going to how many places in 100 days? Roughly 400 towns and cities in uh, 100 days. 400 towns in 100 days. Wow. Yeah. They're moving quite fast, and it's roughly 100 kilometers per day if you're not counting stops. So it could be up to 150, 190 kilometers per day now, of travel. 
did they did they actually come prepared? <laughs> because I know a lot of Europeans don't realize how vast North America is, and the, just the distances between the cities. You know, there aren't. You know, it's not Salah after Salah, just a, you know, a few miles down or kilometers down from the next to law. Have they been surprised at all, or, or did they study the geography and the topography extensively before they embarked on this very ambitious project? Well, they have a really good navigation specialist, uh, who is Maxim Semak. Some of the organizers uh, know his name because he was uh, connecting with the Ukrainians all over the route. So Maxim did a professional GPS routing for the tour, and they know exactly how much elevation they will get uh, this or that day and where are they going and Mm -hmm. how many kilometers. So at this point, since May 23rd, they are on track. So they are on time, despite all the difficulties that they have faced so far. Such as? Basically, uh, the weather, the Mm. wind, when the wind is blowing into Mm -hmm. your face, it's really difficult to Mm -hmm. make all those kilometers. And uh, also, there were some health problems and issues, but Mm. it's it's all fine. They're tough guys. And uh, and there is also uh, a girl whose name is Olga, who is uh, uh, in the team. Wow. Uh, uh, and also, um, they definitely have experience. So previously, they did a couple of journeys. One of them is called East-West. The idea of that trip was uh, to cycle from Eastern Ukraine to Western Ukraine, mm. uh, kind of a uniting Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, and, and spreading awareness about what uh, the veterans have seen in the East. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes uh, we just live in our closed the space and and we don't know much mm-hmm. and we don't know the truth so what what is very valuable in in the arrival of uh, the veterans with the cycling tour is the opportunity to ask them questions how does it look like what is really like there in the east mm-hmm. uh, another trip was ukrainians in europe mm-hmm. uh, that was a very similar trip uh, because it took them 100 days and 10,000 kilometers and 16 countries of Europe. Okay. Uh, so that was a good preparation for the North American tour. Okay, I think. Fair, fair enough. So when are they coming to Vancouver and where? They're crossing the border just coming from Washington State to Vancouver on June 13th, according to the schedule. And the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress, British Columbia, will be meeting them there and filming this uh, meeting there at mm-hmm. the border. And from, from the border, um, where will they be available to the public? On June 14th at 7 p.m., the UCC British Columbia, together with Maple Hope Foundation, are organizing a meeting for everyone, the Ukrainian community and the cycling clubs. And so mm-hmm. everyone is welcome at that meeting. The meeting would take place at 7 p.m. at BCIT campus, mm. room SE06, Talos Theater. Okay. Everyone's welcome there. And uh, Ukrainian Canadian Film Festival is uh, also uh, our partner. It's based in Ottawa, but it uh, uh, happens all over Canada as well. And they will provide a documentary uh, by one of the Ukrainian directors. At this meeting, there will be a, a film screening yes. as well as, as an opportunity to meet the cyclists. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And also on Ju- on June fifteenth at six p.m. there will be a bike ride. Of course, if you have cyclists, you have to join them on the bikes. <laughs> the exact uh, place will be announced. If you would like more information, you can contact Natalia Yatskavich, president of UCC British Columbia, seven seven eight eight nine nine eight zero four eight. Awesome. So, is there any place online people can find out more information? Yes, absolutely. Most of of the communication of the tour happened on Facebook, and it's a great platform to connect and find out more about the events, uh, perhaps before Vancouver or later on. Uh, So the Facebook page is Chumakwe America. And also we have Twitter account and Instagram if you would like to see pictures, as well as a special sports tracking program called Strava. All the information is collected, is gathered at proidesvit.org website. That is P-R-O-I-D-Y-S-V-I-T, proidesvit.org. Okay, so all of that uh, is 
somewhere online, and all you need to do is just do a search for Chumak Way. Is that correct? Chum- Chumak Way 2018 or Chumak Way. Okay. Super. Well, it sounds like a fantastic uh, event. Now, you're a cyclist yourself, but you're not in Vancouver. You're in Ottawa, so uh, people won't be able to meet you here. But uh, they will be able to meet these 10 cyclists and perhaps join them for part of this this journey uh, that is going to be going east, uh, eastern Canada, down the States, and um, up again to Canada, and then finally Washington, I believe, is where it's going to wrap up. Yes, in New York and Washington, there will be final events, uh, specifically the Day of Independence in Ukraine is planned to be celebrated in New York, wow. with, a, with a lot of Ukrainian community being there, and, a, and I believe a marathon, or kind of a half marathon. And also in Washington, the capital uh, of the United States, where um, the embassy of Ukraine is situated, there will be another celebration. It's planned on August 29th, but uh, we will be updating uh, everyone about the exact date and time. So everybody, everybody's welcome to be there uh, and everybody's welcome to find out about the schedule of the tour online. There are so many places where you can meet the cyclists and to join them. And it doesn't matter if you're Ukrainian or not. Everybody's very welcome if you would like to bike for peace. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for uh, sharing all this information and uh, good luck with the planning of the rest of this very ambitious tour. And I look forward to seeing the cyclists in Vancouver. Thank you very much, Pavlina. It was a pleasure talking to you. And likewise, take care. Головна мета Ukraine War Amps це допомога пораненим воїнам та патріотам, які захищають свободу своєї країни у сьогоднішній війні за Україну. Ukraine War Amps представляє програму Всинови солдата. З вашою підтримкою наша організація зможе передавати принаймні 50 доларів США щомісяця для цільової підтримки якомога більшого числа українських героїв. 100% зібраних коштів буде передано напряму героям, пораненим у війні за Україну. Програма «Всинови солдата» будує унікальний зв'язок між вами і солдатом, якого ви підтримуєте. Все починається з вас. Візьміть під опіку солдата. Підтримайте героя України. Це наша земля, це наші поли, Від Галіфакс до Другого моря. Це наша земля, це наші поли, Це є наш новий край, Як я приїхав до цього краю, І видів горе, пісня і море, тут була пуща і файне поле. Це є наш новий край, this land is your land, this land is my land. From Bona Vista to Vancouver Island, from the Arctic Circle to the Great Lake Waters, this land is made you and me. Це наша земля, це наші поли, від Галіфакс до Другого моря. Це наша земля, це наші поли, це є наш новий край, це є наш новий край, це є наш новий край. And Mickey and Bunny with that classic, це наша земля, this land is our land. Here's what's coming up this week in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. Next Wednesday, June 13th, a team of 10 Ukrainian cyclists will be in Vancouver as part of a transcontinental tour of 100 cities in 100 days. The tour is called Chumak Way, and its purpose is to raise awareness of the need for peace in Ukraine and other war-torn parts of the world. The team includes veterans from the war in eastern Ukraine, and they invite cycling enthusiasts and the general public to meet with them, learn about the realities of war and life in Ukraine, as well as cycling innovations created in Ukraine, such as the world's longest-range electric bike and the world's lightest track bicycle. The Chumak Way Tour will cross the border on June 13th, and on June 14th and 15th there will be opportunities to meet with a team in Vancouver, as well as ride with them and test out the bikes. 
For more information, search for Chumak Way 2018 to find them on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media, or follow Nash Holos and me on Facebook and Twitter. Tune in next week for an interview with the Canadian spokesperson for the Chumak Way 2018 Transcontinental Cycling Tour to find out more details about this exciting event. Next Friday, enjoy a pierogi supper at the Ivan Franco Ukrainian Community Center, 5311 Francis Road in Richmond. It will be their last pierogi supper until September. Doors are open from 5 to 7 p.m. For more information, call them at 604-274-4119 or visit them online at ivanfranco.ca. Nash Holos airs in international syndication on PCJ Radio International, broadcasting to over 20 countries on AM, FM, shortwave, and satellite radio. On Wednesdays, catch Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, broadcasting live from Nanaimo to north and central Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, the Sunshine Coast, northwest Washington State, and in the greater Vancouver listening area. Join me, Paulina, for the first hour in English and Oksana Poparajnik for the second hour in Ukrainian. That's Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. And at 6 p.m. Saturday evenings, flip your dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com. And join me, Pavlina, for another hour of fun on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Please send dedications, requests, and suggestions to producer at nashholos.com. Your comments are always welcome. In between broadcasts, follow Nash Holos on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog. And for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds, and more, visit our website at www.nashholos.com. Masters from Winnipeg with the seven steps. For the very best in Ukrainian programming, make sure to tune in to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio Saturdays from 6 to 7 p.m. on our flagship show in Vancouver here on AM 1320 CHMB on the radio dial and online at am1320.com. In between broadcasts, you can visit us at www.nasholos.com. If you missed the live radio transmissions of the show, that's where you can get the podcast links as well as other audio files, transcripts, and more. There's also a link to our Patreon site, which I hope you'll consider following and engaging with me there, as well as supporting the show. Incidentally, you can also support the show at no cost to you through the Amazon links found at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. I love to hear from you, so please send in your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome. And our proverb of the week translates as The earth also expects its due. In order to take something out of it, you must first put something in. And with that, we've come to the end of our program. We have one last toe-tapper for you, Boris Nowasad in the wedding presentation. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich!
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.